Hello and welcome to the next episode of Behind the Mask. Today we're speaking to Pip Rudge. She's a mental health YouTuber which all started from her experiences with borderline personality disorder many years ago. Today on YouTube she's got over 37,000 subscribers where she vlogs about all things mental health. A few years ago she had a video from inside an actual psychiatric ward which got over 2 million views. So we've broken this episode down into two parts. In part one, Pip gives us an in-depth insight into borderline personality disorder and her experiences with it. She gives us an inside view on what life's like inside a psych ward. And she answers some of the questions that we received for her. In the second part of the episode, we focus on the positives and the negatives of social media. So we discuss how her channel is helping to challenge perceptions about mental health disorders, and we talk about the wider role of social media and the impact of social media on mental health and how and what no that's it okay. three two one go nice and we're rolling <laughs> good actually i'm very excited um to be chatting to you guys on the podcast Mm -hmm. yeah absolute pleasure to have you with us um yeah just to kick things off i mean people listening in will know by now that you're a mental health youtuber um obviously they may not know your story or what maybe your videos are about exactly um just to to kick things off for this episode we thought yeah it'd be great to kind of give you the the mic give you the platform to to just Tell us maybe about your 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 journey to the channel, your journey with mental health and, and what led you there. Um, yeah, it'd be great if you could, in your own words, you know, tell us all about it. I guess I started struggling with my mental health when I was like 15. Um, and I had a couple of uh, psychiatric hospitalizations. And then I decided that I could make some good come out of a bad situation. So I kind of made the decision to set up a YouTube channel and talk about predominantly mental health, um, some other things, but mostly it was mental health related because I wanted to share my experiences and potentially like help other people and just kind of let people know that they're not alone because it's so difficult talking about mental health at the minute. Like it's a lot better than it was, but it's still really hard. So um there's still a big stigma attached to it I think and I just wanted to let people know that they weren't alone and that whatever they were feeling was like valid and it's normal to go through ups and downs and so many people struggle with their mental health and it's not something to be ashamed of so I wanted to start my YouTube channel to sort of get that point across that was like my main um aim of the game I guess um and yeah my best friend does YouTube as well so she kind of inspired me to start it nice amazing it's yeah it's such a great channel um I mean for for the people who don't know and haven't seen the videos I mean in in as much or little detail as as you like um what what were the kind of mental um health issues that you'd faced that that led you to create that channel so I was struggling with depression and anxiety when I was like 15 16 17 um and then I was put in hospital at 18 
and I was there for three and a half months. Then I was discharged and then I was there for another three and a half months. Um, and in that time, I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. or And it's also known as emotionally unstable personality disorder. And it's one of those illnesses that it's hard to like regulate your emotions. There's loads of stuff and there's, it's quite like um, stigmatised anyway and it's quite stigmatized within like the mental health community because people sort of have these preconceived ideas about people who struggle with borderline personality disorder that they're like attention seeking or like they're manipulative and I kind of wanted to start up a platform where I set the record straight and be like look this is actually the reality of it rather than what you might think it is um yeah so Pip for people who don't know anything about borderline personality disorder um how would you describe how would you describe it and the symptoms that that come with it so i would say one of the main things is emotional instability like it's really really difficult to regulate your emotions and you can be like on top of the world one day and then well one minute and then literally the next minute you you could have something like triggering happen or whatever and it would be really like it would just be really difficult to cope with um it's a lot like people compare people with borderline personality disorder to like burns victims like you are so like vulnerable and you have like no sort of shell to like if someone says something to you you take it straight to heart um and you kind of think is there something wrong with me and difficulty with having no sense of self if you know what I mean like so a lot of people with borderline personality disorder would think it's really hard to have their own identity and they take on quite a lot of other people's like traits because they're struggling to find their own traits if that makes sense um so yeah it's quite a lot about that but the main thing for me was not being able to regulate my emotions like at all um and then I had a specific type of therapy, dialectical behaviour therapy, and that is specifically for people with borderline personality disorder. And that was really helpful because um, it gave me loads of really healthy coping mechanisms as opposed to all the unhealthy coping mechanisms that I'd gained the last like five years of my life. Um, so I started that when I was 19 and I found it like really, really helpful. Nice. I'm sure we'll come on to the more unhealthy coping mechanisms a bit later but mm. what were the sort of things coping mechanisms that you said were healthy the things that did did help you we were taught loads of different like skills so we had it was one there was four different parts to it one was like mindfulness and it was just like being in the moment not passing judgment or whatever emotion it is you're feeling you just sit with it ride the wave kind of thing um and then there was like emotional regulation and helping like with relationships so for me and it was for the emotional regulation we had a few skills there was like a stop skill um we stop completely what you're doing if you think it's you're going into something unhealthy um you take a step back and 
you kind of observe the situation and then you have to proceed mindfully. So you think, is this really going to be the best way forwards? Is this going to be the most helpful thing for me to possibly do in this situation? And like 9% of the time, it wasn't. Um, So I proceeded mindfully and just was like, right, I'll go speak to a friend or I'll go on a walk or... And what, what would an example be of a situation where you would use that? I would say... If I was feeling really, really low and I had, like, urges to, like, self-harm or something, then I would stop completely what I was doing. I'd be like, right, I can't... Whatever situation I was in, I would just completely stop. And then I'd literally take a step away from the situation and look at the bigger picture. So it gave me, like, a bigger um, perspective on things. And it made me realise that, actually, after observing the situation, this is not going to be helpful. I'm, I know from previous experience that I'm going to end up feeling worse afterwards. So it was one of those things that I was like, right, if I proceed mindfully, I have to really go for it and um, do something like super duper healthy to like counteract how I was feeling. Mm. So, so you mentioned that you can have sort of extreme lows. Does it work the other way as well, where you can have extreme highs as well? Or is it just kind of, does it work, work on both ends of the scale? Yeah, so I could literally be like on top of the world, having like an amazing day. Like when I feel good, I feel like really, really good, um, which is quite nice. But sometimes, because it's, it's not bipolar, so I'm not manic, but I get to that point where I'm like, I feel like so great. And I'm like agreeing to all this stuff. And I'll be like, yeah, I'll do this. I'll do that. And I'll take on loads. And then as soon as my mood crashes, I'll be like, oh my goodness, I can't cope with all of this. And then it's kind of like a vicious cycle of like, I'm getting myself into stuff that I can't like carry on with. I can't commit to. But at the time I was feeling so great. I thought, oh yeah, like I can do this. Not a problem. And then I would just, my mood would go from like 100 to zero um, and I'd just find it really, really difficult to cope with. Yeah, I saw you mentioned in one of your videos that um, people with borderline personality disorder can have sort of impulsive behaviour. And are there any sort of impulse, particularly impulsive experiences that you can recall that um, might just make it a bit easier for people to relate to, um, to it? It's it's there and then, and it's so like, right, well, I want to feel better right this second, so I'm going to do this. And it's really, really hard to cope with because then you have to deal with the aftermath of it. Um, so it's really, it's sort of almost like self-destructive behaviour, but just because you want to feel better immediately because it's so hard to cope with those emotions. And like I said, like the lack of like resilience that you have to those emotions is just makes it, impulsive behavior so like mm-hmm. prominent yeah and in the moment with i mean a lot of people listening to this i mean everybody really will be aware of self-harm as a thing but might might not really understand what it's like to to go through is it, is it a case of in the moment that feels like it will be a relief from the yeah whatever you're feeling in that moment is, is that how it kind of feels yeah to? i think there's like a lot of different reasons for me personally it was quite like i needed the release and I like had so many emotions and I either needed to like let them out some way. And the only way that I knew how before I had like therapy and everything 
was to self-harm but then at the same time it was really important to me to feel something other than the emotional pain I was going through so like the physical pain would help like in that minute in that moment um because I would only be thinking about that I wouldn't be thinking about anything else it was kind of like giving me a break um from how I was feeling but then afterwards I'd feel like a whole array of emotions I would feel really guilty I'd feel really disappointed in myself and I I'd feel end up feeling worse than I did to start with just for that like moment of like relief that's that's really it's really interesting to hear um i know from from research i've done into other um issues with mental health such as like anxiety and depression people can get into a cycle of like substance abuse is a really common thing to to cope with it in that moment but then okay it's short-term relief but it leads to this kind of cycle where it will make things worse long term and then because that's the only relief you know you do it again and then you're stuck in this loop that keeps worsening the problem i mean is that yeah is, is that how you would would you agree that is how it feels that's the thing because then mm. you feel worse afterwards and you're like right well i'll just do this again or like use a really unhealthy coping me- mechanism like i'd either like self-harm or like drink or something like that um and then i'd feel worse afterwards then i'd do it again for that immediate release and then feel worse afterwards and then it just it was just like a spiral it was like a vicious circle but it was i was spiraling like down um, and it just wasn't good or healthy at all. Yeah. Well, it's it's so obviously so good and, and great that you've been able to get help since then. And and obviously your most popular video was your experience in the in the psych ward. Yeah. Um, and it has over two million views on YouTube now. Um, I mean that was that kind of the was that like almost the the low point of your experience with the condition or or yeah. I mean, if you could tell us about what that was like in general, because so many people have you know, have no idea what that's like. I think it was quite, um, I wanted people to see what it was actually like, because I think a lot of people don't really know a lot about like psychiatric hospitals or like, um, personality disorders in general, but it's quite, I, I feel like good and bad about the video. Like I'm glad it did reach quite a lot of people and they could see what it was like, but I was really, really unwell when I made it um so I sort of regret that I feel like I could have explained things a bit better but I was just I was so upset and I was so like angry at the world and angry at the situation that I was in that I just was like it was kind of cathartic to like make a video and just get it like all out but it's debatable as to whether I should have put it on the internet or not but I wanted to like at the time I was like I want to like raise awareness of like what it's like to be in a hospital and be like get pretty much everything taken away from you like it was just really hard what happened for you to have to be admitted to the psych ward um so that time i had been i was at university at the time i was in first year and um i struggled the first semester was good second semester I don't really know what happened. Like, I just went downhill and I was, you know, engaging, like, really reckless, unhealthy behaviour. Um, I was, like, self-harming a lot. Like, um, just... Uh, I ended up... I went to the doctors and I just, like, explained everything because I'd been seeing them quite, like, regularly. Um, and I just explained everything to them. And then I got called 
an ambulance and they took me to um, the hospital and then I went to what's called the clinical, the psychiatric clinical decisions unit um, and they basically assessed me and it was in the psychiatric hospital but it wasn't a ward it was just like a place that you go to get assessed to decide whether you can like leave or not um and then I was able to leave but then I had to leave university because I couldn't I had to take a year out of my course because I couldn't keep going um because I just I couldn't get into like lectures and seminars and do all the work that I needed to do um and then I ended up phoning the police because I was like right I feel like so unsafe I feel so like disappointed in myself and like really like angry and like I was like I don't feel safe like I need help like immediately basically um and then yeah I went into um the back of an ambulance got taken to the hospital and then I voluntarily went into hospital so I was like an informal patient rather than sectioned at the time um I got sectioned while I was there though that's the thing but I was informal when I went because I knew that I needed the help Mm -hmm. so what does that what does that mean for people who don't know to be sectioned so sectioning is where they can detain you against your will so what I went in voluntarily for maybe like a couple of weeks and then I decided that I wanted to leave and they deemed me like a really high risk so they put me on a section two which is um up to 28 days that you can be detained against your will um and so I stayed there for like I ended up staying there for about eight weeks. Um, I was on section for like four of those weeks and then they took me off section and I agreed to stay informally, um, which is where I was like, I do need help and I will accept help. Um, And also sectioning, they can like restrain you like physically and like give you medication against your will as well. Um, But at the time it was what I needed because I would not have been safe to go home when I tried to leave. We've had loads of questions come in for you and two of the ones that um, kind of relate to what you just just discussed in there, which are actually similar sort of questions. Um, one is, did you feel safe and looked after while in the psych ward? And um, the other is, did hospitalisation help you? Um, and, and I was going to ask as well, but I think you kind of maybe already answered it, where about being held against your will, do you think that and having everything taken away from you, do you think that is the right thing to do? I guess all of those kind of come into to one question, really. When I was there, I did... I felt sort of safe. Um, I felt safer than I would have in the outside world. Um, but it was really, really hard coming to terms with the fact that I could not leave. Like, no matter how much I wanted to, I wasn't allowed to go out and, like, I just wanted to go on like a walk or like I ended up running away because I just like I couldn't deal with the fact that I was being like kept somewhere and it was oh it was for the best and it did definitely help me because it kept me safe but it didn't help me in the sense of like it was just medication. I didn't have any like therapy or anything when I was there. So I kind of ended up being a revolving door patient. Um, I was there for like 
I had like four admissions in the last like my last since I was discharged in May for the last time before 18 months before then I'd have been in like four times for like two months each time so it was quite like kind of like a holding cell till you're not like imminently suicidal and like an imminent risk to yourself or others and then you get to leave but you're not like way better you're just like a little bit better when you Mm -hmm. leave so it's more about it's more about surveillance and protection rather than treatment really yeah it's not really yeah it's not really about treatment that much like they treat you with medication and they might change your meds and like you have this thing called ward round every month where you every week where you speak to the psychiatrist and the rest of the mental health team working there and the nurses and everything and you try and figure out like the best way forwards and that's how you get like leave like escorted or unescorted leave and you decide what level you're going to be on because I was on level like level three which is where you're watched like 24 7 um and I needed it at the time because I was so like unwell but it was really really hard having literally someone watch you like while you sleep like in the shower like it was really really difficult that's um yeah intense for anybody oh so intense yeah it's a difficult one isn't it because it's I guess it's kind of balancing the fact that they don't, you know, they don't want you to cause harm to yourself or anyone else, but at the same time, you don't want you don't want to be someone watching you constantly. Um, yeah, it was really, really mm. hard, and like, it was just really. I felt like I I had like all my privacy like stripped away, um, which was really really difficult, um, and, but like I did I needed it, but they try and do the least restrictive practice and they try do something called positive risk taking which is like they weigh up the risk and try and think right there is some risk here but it's not massive so we're gonna try and like trust you a bit which I think is really good but it can be a bit people kind of take the mickey out of positive risk taking because sometimes it's it's too much risk taking um, for it to be like good. So it's just, yeah, really, it is just really hard. It was really, really difficult time in my life, definitely. Another question to do with that that's coming from the audience actually as well. Um, you mentioned that medication was quite a big part of the stay in the psychiatric ward. Um, a, a question that came up a few times was, do you think a medication is worth the side effects? Because I don't know what they are, but I've heard there are some pretty big side effects with medication like that. Now I'm in a really good place, but I'm still on um, certainly one of the other antidepressants. And then I get uh, an injection every month of an antipsychotic, which helps stabilise my mood because I have borderline personality disorder my mood is quite like unstable and fluctuates a lot so it just helps calm that down like make the highs less high and the lows less low i guess is that the overall kind of aim for the medication is to to kind of regulate that a bit more yeah and they say with borderline personality disorder that it's less about medication and more about the therapy that you have um so when i had dbt i was stable for like two and a half years um which is the longest I've been stable for for like five years. So, um, they, but they always say like medication won't cure you, but 
it it might like help so we'll put you on it and see if it does help and it has helped me definitely um but it's not like the be all and end all when it comes to bpd and and you mentioned therapy being basically the the kind of next step after medication how what I mean what has your experience with therapy been like do you, do you think it's helped Oh, yeah, definitely. Like having DBT, dialectical behavior therapy, was really, really helpful because it gave me so many coping strategies and so many skills to use. Um, And the only reason that, well, one of the reasons that I got quite unwell again was I kind of just got a bit lax with the skills and stopped using them so much. So, but I have them in my head. So when I need them, I use them. And I try and use them quite often anyway, um, just because it's it's just good to get into the habit of really healthy coping mechanisms. But therapy for me was like, I went from like being the lowest of the low to like steady and like pretty stable for years. So that was really, really good. Um yeah, it was really great, therapy was. Something that I've spoken to about a few people is, I mean, I think therapy is a great thing. I I don't go to therapy myself, but I want to, just n- not for anything in particular, but just, just in general. Like, I, I was having a conversation the other day about how maybe in the future having therapy might be like going to the dentist where everybody does it as like a, a useful thing. Do, do you think, as somebody who's experienced therapy, obviously for a specific thing, but... Do you think it's something that anybody could could benefit from? Do you think, would you like recommend it to people, even if they don't have a disorder of sorts? Yeah, definitely. Because it's, even though people might not have like a mental health problem or they might not have a diagnosed mental illness, everyone has some form of mental health, whether it's like really good or really bad or somewhere in the middle. Um, but it's kind of that thing. One of my friends said to me, like, everyone should have DBT, like, everyone should have dbt or like some kind of therapy that helps them like because you know you can get i don't know in arguments and stuff you might get really hot-headed or you might have like anger issues or something like that it is really important to be able to chat about it and there's always room for like some self-improvement um and you could it helps it helped me cope with the ups and downs of life anyway whether I had my diagnosis or not um it was just really useful I feel like a lot of people could benefit from either dbt or another kind of therapy for sure even if they don't have like a diagnosed mental illness to finish things off Pip we had a few additional questions from our audience we haven't quite covered yet um it'd be great to just quickly run these through you for some like quick fire answers if, if that's okay this is quite fun, actually. Quick fire questions. We've not done this before. <laughs> um, although this actually is probably not necessarily a quick, quick fire question. But um, so this one's on the mental health system. Do you feel you've been failed by the system in any way? What could be better? Oh, um, for me, I've I've not been. That's a really hard question, right? Yeah, yeah. sorry, not quick fire. <laughs> not quick fire at all, yeah. <laughs> it's, I've, I've been saved by the system more times than I've been failed by the system. Um, but there have been a couple of times where I was not, I was discharged on lithium, which is like a really like potent um, 
medication and you need to have like regular blood tests regular check-ins and I was discharged from hospital I had no like community support I had no community psychiatric nurse I had nothing like and I I wasn't even having like the regular blood tests that I should have had I had my GP and that was about it I didn't have any mental health professionals um so that was really really tough because I just went downhill and I ended up taking too many lithium and like almost ended up in intensive care like it was really really bad um so I'd say that probably was the time that I was failed but at the same time they have saved me a lot of times like without the NHS and mental health services I probably wouldn't be here so that's quite like a big statement to make but it's true so um yeah exactly and like I don't want to I know that we're severely like underfunded and it's really hard to give everyone that you want to help help but generally no I they have been really good to me and I and I don't want to like diss them or anything because they have been really great and I'm very like fortunate that we have like the NHS and we didn't have to like pay for me to be hospitalized because like it's so expensive (laughs) it's insane oh literally like probably like hundreds of thousands of pounds at least like so much money so i'm very lucky god the nhs is so important like holy shit imagine if you didn't have that treatment because you couldn't afford it you might not even be here yeah i know it's scary it's really like it's just crazy but yeah no they've they generally they've been pretty good and the last like year i've had a lot of support from them a lot a lot of support and i have a really great community psychiatric nurse um who's just lovely so yeah i'm really lucky amazing and and next on our list um what do you think are some of or or maybe just kind of the the biggest uh misconceptions about the mental health system and and your you know experience in psych wards medication etc etc i mean is there one thing that you think is people think that is wrong or a misconception i think people think that everyone who goes into a psychiatric hospital has like it's kind of like a uh, either like girl interrupted if you've seen it or like other shows in the media that try and depict mental health hospitals like psychiatric hospitals don't necessarily do a great job um and i think they think it's all people like banging their head on heads on walls and like licking windows and stuff like it's so for me i've met literally my best friend um in hospital and then I've got like probably like five or six other really really good friends and I met them all in hospital and we have such good healthy relationships and it's inspiring to see my friends thriving when I'm not feeling great because I can see that they're like doing well and I know that I'll get there one day because we've been in the same boat so yeah it's just really I think people think that if you have like friendships in the psych ward they're like they're really unhealthy but they're it depends who you're with but for me they've been amazing and like absolute lifesavers and I couldn't live without my mates now like I'm so lucky to have them nice um that actually ties in quite well to the next question which um I think I might know what the answer to this is but it's what's your number one thing that has helped you recover I think it's having a different perspective on things because of being in hospital and having the complete and total support of like my family and friends like I've I've never once felt like 
I felt at the time like, oh God, I'm such a terrible human being. They, my family and friends have never made me feel guilty for being ill, like ever. So that, to have their like constant support and love, like I've been able to, with their support, pull myself out of the like hole and like revolving door patient situation that I was in. Um, So it's definitely the people that who have stuck by me that's really really helped me the most like my friends and my family are just so important to me and I'm and I don't take them for granted anymore because I know that they're like incredible and they've supported me so much and it's nice that I can now I'm well I can give back a little bit and like help support them when they're not feeling great and yeah I just have a really good relationship with like family and friends so it's just really nice um that I can support them and they've always supported me I know I can rely on them and I can go to them whenever I want if I'm not feeling good Mm. yeah it's beautiful a beautiful thing so that's the end of part one but part two is available to listen to right now as well And in part two, we focus on social media. So we look at the positives and the negatives of that. And we look at how Pip's channel is helping to challenge perceptions about mental health disorders. So go and check it out. Big thanks to Pip Rudge for joining us for this pod. It was produced by Rupa and myself and sound designed by Jack Sudderby. Follow us on Instagram at Behind the Mask Podcast to keep up to date with everything to do with the pod.